Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 198th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. This is the intrepid blogger, the third amigo in the second city, Josh Cook. Mixing it up today, we are, due to a scheduling conflict, recording on a Friday afternoon. I am joined, as always, with the Professor Matt and with Coach off doing coaching stuff. It's just the two of us, and we thought, why the hell not totally mix it up? So now I'm running the show. I did the rundown. I did the trivia question. There's going to be pandemonium. There already is. <laughs> um, so no real quick slants today because my adopted team, Eastern Michigan, has a bye week. Coach's adopted team, Georgia State, has a bye week. Matt, you're the only one with an adopted team in action. What's going on with the Purple Pirates? Uh, Pirates are playing Old Dominion this week. Uh, ODU, uh, so far uh, this season, uh, opened the year squeaking by Norfolk State, which is not exactly uh, even a great FCS team. Um, and then they lost uh, – they've been losing the Virginia Trophy this year, Josh. Uh, they lost at Virginia Tech and at UVA in their last two games. In between those two, they had a bye. Uh, back they played in- James Madison, though. Um, I do not believe that uh, ODU is playing James Madison – well, is playing James <laughs> Madison this season, but I should not speak too soon. No, it, they are not on their schedule. Um, but – um, ECU, you know, comes into this matchup uh, with clearly the superior offense, but their defense has been uh, one of the things that's been holding them back uh, this season, at least in their, uh, in their two losses. They got absolutely smoked by Navy and NC State, had, having trouble on both sides of the ball in both of those games. Um, I think that um, Hunter Ehlers, the quarterback for uh, ECU, they're going to go as he goes. When he is on and being a true dual threat guy, they have the ability to uh, be a, you know, a really dynamic offense. But if he gets, you know, um, if he's forced to be one dimensional, that is when, um, uh, that's when, you know, ECU gets a little complacent and doesn't really know what they're doing. So uh, if ECU is able to keep balanced offense, if Hunter Ehlers is able to hold on to the ball and not throw any picks, then I think that you should see them win this game pretty handily. Sounds good. So uh, I don't really have a slant. I just have some new stuff that I wanted to get out there, all involving my home state of Iowa. And Matt, feel free to chime in as necessary. So dating back two weeks to the Cyhawk trophy, uh, there has been ongoing news developments, totally like unrelated to one another. It's very, very crazy. So the Iowa band, um, had some stuff thrown at them. Someone, uh, got attacked. There was some, uh, like not like so too super violently, like they, they were kind of punched as the band was walking off the field. Uh, they hurt their ribs. Uh, someone was kind of groped in a weird way, probably like we've been in crowds where people are drunk and stupid. Um, but very, very up- upsetting to the band members who experienced these violations of their personal liberty. And uh, basically, the University of Iowa did nothing. And so some band members posted stuff to social media that looked really bad for the university. And they basically went, oh, crap, we should actually probably investigate this. Iowa State basically said, well, the Iowa band walked off the field going the wrong direction. And this has never happened to any band to ever happen that visited Jack Trice. And some people have even said, oh, maybe the rivalry should stop being played it's crazy and uh i think that what the university of iowa did was absolute 
absolutely repugnant, not protecting their own students. And I thought the Iowa State reaction was absolutely terrible. If that's not a way to go, why is the security guard just shrugging his shoulders and going, well, this is not normally how people go, but we'll let you go. Uh, I think both universities Also, no matter what way you go, you shouldn't be treated like that. Exactly. It doesn't matter what entrance or exit you come in and out of. I think both universities are like just absolutely showing their bare asses right now. Isn't the governor getting involved at this point? Yeah, the governor said that they're going to keep playing a rivalry game. It's bizarre. Uh, The other story from this game, it was a great uh, moment. Carson King held up the sign, the Vemo sign. Uh, He's raised like $2 million now for the children's hospital. And Bush Light like sponsored him in a way and um, was going to do like a marketing thing. And then some old tweets of his came to light and he apologized profusely for them on TV. Uh, Bush still donated the money, but severed ties with him professionally. Uh, Some companies in Iowa did the opposite. They're like, well, you know, we still like you. We'll support you. Um, The Des Moines register after he had apologized on TV was basically like, Hmm, should we include this in our profile of him? And they decided to do just a couple of paragraphs at the very bottom of the story. They literally buried the lead, uh, unlike what we do. Um, And some people had the timelines confused, thought the Des Moines Register outed this guy for these tweets. And the Des Moines Register has had people like call in threats the Des Moines police have been around there. And uh, my best friend from high school, full disclosure, works at the Des Moines Register in a non-journalism role. He's on the other side of things in the uh, more the marketing department. Um, and he's like, what the hell? It's, it's like impossible to go to work now. It's scary. It's stressful to be there. Um, and on top of that, whether you agree or disagree with what the Des Moines Register did, uh, the fact that it's a seven-year-old tweet when the Carson King was just 16 and he was quoting Tosh.0, it gets into, is he really a like terrible, awful, white supremacist, racist, or was he a dumb kid? And as a teacher... I am surrounded by kids who do great things on every day basis, but also five minutes after doing a great thing, they can turn around and say the stupidest, dumbest thing. I feel bad for Carson King. I think it was just a 16 year old being dumb. And Matt, I got to be honest. I am so thankful that Facebook and Twitter were not around when I was, when we were 16. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes, because we would have posted stupid, idiotic things. I mean, we still posted stupid, idiotic things when we were in college, I'm sure, yep. um, on Facebook or whatever. But, you know, I, I still think that there there should be some sort of, there, there should almost be like um, either like a moratorium or a um, uh, statute of limitations for these kind of things. Like, you know, depending on the depending on the severity of what they said and like how old or young they were when they said it, like some of the dumb things that he said, like, yeah, there's, but it, you know, he's it, quoting a, a TV show, um, you know, and it's who, why are people getting so up in arms about this? And, and on top of that, like, um, you know, the, you're going to have to edit this. I t- just totally blanked out what I was going to say. It's okay. Uh, I couldn't remember the phrase uh, uh, statute of limitations. So, um, yeah, I got it. Matt, on top of that, too, is he didn't deny it. He didn't try and hide it. He didn't say, like, oh, it was a joke. Sorry if I offended anyone, which is not an apology. He was totally remorseful and felt very bad in the TV interview. So that I, I feel bad for Carson King. On the other side of the equation, though, there is literally never an excuse to threaten 
a newspaper or a journalistic organization doing their freaking job. Those people are repugnant. They are not helping Carson King in any way. They are delusional and quite frankly, probably brainwashed by our goddamn president who says fake news every two minutes. Or no collusion. (laughs) Uh, The third and final interesting thing from my home state is even more home statey than just occurring in Iowa. It's at my alma mater, Iowa City West High. Uh, Their award-winning student-run newspaper, The West Side Story, had a great profile on the not one, but two female players on the West High football team. Both of them are linemen, and it was really interesting. They wanted to take a weightlifting elective. Their schedule was so filled up that the school said, well, you can do it as a zero period before school starts with the football team. And they're like, cool, whatever. And the coach was like noticing that they were incredibly strong athletes and said, how about you play some football? And they're both on the varsity team. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, Oliver Martin's alma mater. Playing just on the road. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So um, who knows? Maybe they'll be playing for the Hawkeyes soon. That'd be pretty cool. That would be very cool. Um, All right. Well, uh, thank you for that update, Josh. Uh, We would call it the Iowa football minute, but it's more like the Iowa football. uh, Five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So let's switch gears uh, to a trivia question. Um, Ooh, I like, I get to be on the receiving end this time. Yeah. This is not a pop quiz. This is a very short answer one. There's just two answers. Um, But a hundred years ago, 1919, Harvard won their last of several, several, several titles because it feels like they won a part of one almost every year up until 1919. And the 1927 season had the last team, Yale, to win a national title from a school that is no longer playing FBS football. But I'm going even more specific, Matt. There are two national champions that no longer play FBS football and are not in the Ivy League. So you you don't get to go Princeton, Harvard, Yale, boom, Mm -hmm. boom, boom, and rack them all up. The two national champions that aren't FBS and not Ivy, who are they? Okay, the first team that immediately popped in my head, Chicago Maroons. Yes, UC 1905. You've got one of the two. Original Big Ten member. That one was pretty easy. Um, I'm going to need a, probably a couple of guesses. Well, that, that's fair. You give me and coach three strikes. Okay. So, so um, my first guess is like NYU or City College of New York or something like that. I know CCNY is one or NYU. It's like one of those like New York schools. It's a one-one for basketball. I don't know if they ever did for football. They did not. Okay. But good guess. Uh, okay. One so. Strike. Um, uh, my next guess would be, uh, something like a a Holy Cross. Also a very good guess, but incorrect. So that's two strikes. Um, uh, Lehigh or Lafayette. I'm I'm putting them together because they're basically the same school. Matt, that's perfect because I was going to give you a hint if you couldn't get it, which was they probably hold it over. Lehigh's head all the time, but it's Lafayette. They got it back in 1896. Uh, incidentally, shared the title with Princeton that year. So oh. that's our that's our trivia question. All right, all right. I appreciate that. So then the next thing that would happen on the show, if you were leading things, Matt, would be we would start to do some deep roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, the slate this week has some very intriguing games that resulted in a very big spread formation, but not enough meat on the bone to have a lot of deep root games. We just have four. And the first one comes in South Bend, Indiana. We got Notre Dame who played a valiant game down at Georgia, but came up short hosting Virginia. Who's up to 18th in the polls and playing some pretty good team football 
But if you were to look at the recruiting rankings and all that stuff, uh, the who's are definitely a sum of all their parts. What does the professor Spidey sense say is going to happen in South Bend this week? Uh, I think that Virginia um, doesn't, how do I put this? Virginia doesn't make a ton of mistakes as a team, but they also, uh, on the flip side, so they have a pretty high floor, but they have a pretty low ceiling because they don't have that high-end talent. And I think that despite the loss uh, to Georgia last week, I was very impressed by Notre Dame. I think this is a very good football team. I think that um, they have the ability to get big plays uh, where, where Virginia will not be able to. I think that uh, Ian Book, uh, you know, if he's given like even just a little bit of time to even throw those, you know, 12 yard outs that he seems to love to throw nothing beyond 15 yards downfield. But if you have enough, if he has enough time in a clean pocket to do that, which I don't think that Virginia's pass rush will be able to generate the same sort of pressure that Georgia did. I think this should be a walk in the park for Notre Dame. I, I like I, I like uh, Notre Dame by two touchdowns. Ooh. Here's a hot take. This is Virginia's hardest game before what we assume will be their ACC title game. Mm. If they win this, do they make the college football playoffs? Who, Notre Dame? Or Virginia. Virginia. If they win this and they win out until – and then assumingly they lose to Clemson? Yeah. Uh, no, they don't. Okay, fair enough. No, if they lose, if the, the only way for them to make is to go, uh, is to win the ACC title. All right. Well, one of the other few games that involves ranked teams of the weekend, in fact, I believe it's the only, the other game, I believe there are only two, but uh, USC just coming off upsetting Utah. They hit the road. They head up to 17th ranked. Washington in a Husky stadium up in Seattle. Matt Fink will get his first start. Uh, looked pretty good against Utah, but uh, in a similar situation when Slovis went to BYU in his first career start, things didn't go as well. Uh, Washington is the last best hope for very, very infinitesimally small odds that the Pac-12 it's a playoff team and Don't, can't count out Cal. They already have the victory over Washington for the time. True. True. Um, but beat Ole Miss in Oxford, but based on what the computer, the FPI does all that stuff, Washington does still have the highest odds, but yeah. Do the Huskies win or this USC team two and Oh, in pack 12 is the clay Helton redemption tour adding another successful stop to the record. Josh, I'm going to do one of your favorite things to do. Um, and I'm going to go do a little common opponent here. Both of these teams have played at BYU. Josh, Ooh. you talked about what happened to USC at BYU. One thing we did, we glossed over in our uh, week four recap show was Washington absolutely throttling the Cougars mm-hmm. in Provo. That game uh, was redemption, was the real redemption for that Cal loss. I, I still, I, Hawaii, you know, it was Hawaii. That, that doesn't mean anything. But I feel like BYU can actually really like, test yourself again. And they went in and absolutely wiped the floor with BYU. Uh, Jacob Eason um, looks, you know, you know, if that Cal game, I think we almost have to just completely disregard because of this. Uh, the extenuating circumstances around it. Eason stepped in against BYU, and uh, that was a team that uh, that uh, really sort of uh, was able to slow down USC. They could not slow down Washington at all. Jacob Eason was absolutely fabulous. Uh, he's spreading the ball around, um, putting up some really, really big numbers. On the flip side, like I said, when USC went into BYU, uh, they lost in overtime. Um, another thing about that win last week, they won by one score, but... Um, Utah also, also turned the ball over four times. I just do not see a scenario in which Washington turns the ball over more than twice, really, against USC. I think USC's big, biggest and best chance in this game is to basically uh, go, you know, uh, uh, just throw jump balls for their wide receivers because their wide receivers, starting with Vaughn's um, and, uh, uh, and Amen Ra, uh, St. Uh, Brown, um, and the rest of them, but it was especially Vaughn's that, that guy really, really impresses me and stands out every time I see him. Uh, I think that is USC's uh, best and really only hope to beat Washington. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think Washington um, is just built better than Utah was equipped. Uh, Utah is one of those places where it's going to be the sum of the parts. Whittingham's going to have some wily coaching moves. But when you have multiple turnovers, it kind of tanks her game plan. And it puts a, a team like Utah in a really tough position. USC was also having a lot of passing success against Utah. Washington has produced a ton of great secondary players these last few years. I'm with you, Matt. Um, so let's move on to an SEC team. Yes, I know Coach isn't here, and we could have easily written the SEC out of the show, but there's a very, very intriguing game down there on the Plains. Seventh-ranked Auburn hasn't really looked like a top 10 team, especially last week when Bo Nix really struggled at times. They host a Mississippi State team that didn't look great against Kansas State, to be fair, but they're 3-1 and overall, 1-0 and in the SEC. Moorhead, pretty dang good coach. What is your upset radar on this game, Matt? Um, it's not that high because I feel like Auburn's floor, again, Auburn is a high floor team because of how dominant their defensive line is. And if you have a do- dominant defensive line, you can disrupt what any offense wants to do. And I'm not sure if there's a better bunch of defensive linemen uh, anywhere in the country, including across the state in Tuscaloosa, than there is uh, in Auburn, Alabama. So I, you know, it, I, th- I think it could be a close one. I think that Auburn doesn't have, you know, it, are they're not world beaters on offense by any means, but I think their defensive line is good enough to make life miserable for any offense that goes against them. Fair enough. Uh, well, let's go to where college game day is going to be, and that is in Lincoln. Uh, Ohio State on paper going to be a huge favorite. In fact, they're 17 point favorites. Nebraska hasn't really looked like a contender in the West as some people believe to start the year, but they are three and one. And Ohio State so far pretty untested. Florida Atlantic's not very good. Uh, Cincinnati is, I think, will prove to be a nice team, but uh, they just had nothing going that game a road trip to indiana where let's be honest three-fourths of the stadium was ohio state fans and then miami of ohio this is by far their hardest test it's also their first road test ohio state the last few years has had some nasty road games most famously at purdue a year ago the season before that at iowa does lincoln have any of that west lafayette iowa city magic to absolutely throw an early monkey wrench into not just the big 10 title race, but the college football playoff race, Matt. No. <laughs> Could you break it down? Why aren't they? <laughs> um, because uh, Ryan day is, uh, you know, has quietly become one of the best offensive minds in all of college football. Uh, I think that, you know, Everyone's obviously and rightfully so going to talk about Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley is a cut above. I think that Ryan Day, if, if you if you go back and you look at his career and what he's done, um, you will find that everywhere he has gone, they've had really really good offenses. Um, you know, he was able to um, really get a you know get a lot out of. Um, you know, uh, his, his players, whether it's he's been at uh, whether it's uh, at Ohio State and he's done that with what uh, three different quarterbacks in three years, I think. And every mm-hmm. one of those offenses is different, but they're all equally explosive and great. This year is uh, on this year's team. J.K. Dobbins is uh, really sort of the fully realized version of himself. I feel like his freshman year, we got to see him in fits and spurts, and he was the home run hitter. But they were still just grinding behind Mike Weber. Last year, I felt like Dobbins took a took a couple of steps back. But this year, Dobbins seems like you know the uh, a an even better version of the kid we saw who was who was lighting the Big Ten on fire as a true freshman. And they seem to have a never-ending supply of steady, reliable receiving options there. And, you know, Justin Fields looks as good as anyone uh, in the country right now offensively, uh, both through the air and with his legs. I think that this Ohio State, Ohio State team is an absolute juggernaut. 
Um, and it's, uh, I, I think that their defense this year, even though they lost Nick Bosa um, and some of those other guys, I think that they are a, a better defense and they've been in a long, long time. So I'm, uh, I'm fully aboard this Ohio state hype train. Uh, unfortunately, I think that this is, uh, you know, after sort of the big two, um, I think that there's a pretty strong case for me that Ohio State might be the third best team in the country. Wow. So it sounds like it's going to be 35 nothing at halftime. Is there any, like, one or two things Nebraska can do to avoid getting humiliated on national TV? Um, I think that, uh, well, first of all, a couple of things. Martinez cannot, uh, uh, Martinez cannot uh, turn the ball over, whether yeah. it's through fumbles or interceptions. Uh, he's still he's gotten better he's gotten a lot better Mm -hmm. but he's still I've always have felt like he's a little turnover prone a little loose with the football and when you're playing against guys that are you know clearly more more talented it's as much as Huskers fans that might not want to admit it you know Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten when it comes to talent and they are you know Ohio State's going to put better athletes on the field than Nebraska. Now Scott Frost is a great coach in and of himself and has a, is a great offensive mind, but I think Wiley Ryan Day might be a better one. So I like I'm 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 really all aboard the 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 Ryan Day Express. So I think that like the, like I said, the only things they can really do are not turn the ball over and they're gonna have to get a big play on special teams and really rev up uh the uh that whole crowd in Lincoln. Do you go aggressive if you're Scott Frost, do you say every fourth and five or less we're going for it? Um, do you have like fakes built in? You're saying, I, hey, if we're punting and the line of scrimmage, I guess is- I guess it's all it's all about feel feel with the game. Yeah, okay. if it's early on in the game, then yeah, I, I'm a big fan of going for it on fourth and short early. Yeah, um, but I don't think that they should just be doing it every, you know, every single time, especially because um, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot a couple times inevitably with it. And if I don't think that Nebraska's defense has, you know, you want to give Ohio State's offense the worst possible opportunities that it can get. So whether that's punting and getting, you know, making the field longer for them or, you know, obviously just not turning it over to them or whatever you can do to keep Ohio State's hands off the ball you need to do. So they, Nebraska actually might need to slow down the tempo um, that they're used to playing with just, in order to keep, um, you know, to keep grinding on Ohio State's defense. All right. Well, I mentioned that we were going pretty short on deep routes. Those are the four games that are in the deep routes. We're going to spread it out and head to our spread formations. Matt, I'm going 10 deep this week. I got 10 games that I thought were intriguing. Before we get started, uh, I will just quickly mention last week, uh, I went four and one. Josh, you and Coach both went three and two. Um, So good uh, good work there. All of us hit uh, uh, on the SMU-TCU game. Coach and I both took the over. Josh took SMU to cover, and all of us won. The over-under was only 55. They scored a bunch of points in that one, uh, 79, I think uh and tcu obviously won outright um we all picked ucf to cover the minus 11 at pit that was obviously did not go in our our way we all picked cal to uh to cover the or to getting two and a half they didn't even need that um they won outright at ole miss i was the only one who picked appalachian state um uh, plus three at north carolina you guys both took uh, north carolina win at home uh, Appalachian State won, and thus I covered. And finally, we were all on Boston College minus eight and a half at Rutgers. Obviously, uh, BC wins by fourteen. Easy cover, easy win on the season. Josh, you and I are both at eight and seven. The coach is at seven and eight. There we go. Well, speaking about that pit game, or that pit team, I should say, the first of our spread formations. This game is very weird. It's a Friday night Big Ten game. It involves Penn State, who had a bye week last week, coming off their rather um, uninspired win over Pitt. They are six-and-a-half-point road favorites at Maryland, who was also off last week, which means they had two weeks to basically rejigger everything after a horrible, horrible performance. Um, do they get back on track? Do they win this game? Does Penn State cover? Over-under is also 61 and a half, Matt. Um, I will take Maryland plus six and a half here. Ooh. I like Maryland at home. 
Well, my instinct is Maryland shot out of a cannon last year and then was brought back to earth. I'm going to say that the Temple game was not a figment of our imagination, that that was the real Maryland team standing up. They returned to form. I have Penn State covering. And Coach, we will just assume that he would pick my pick because he does that every week, let's be honest. (laughs) That's why I let you go first. (laughs) Uh, Let's head to a Pac-12 game. Uh, Arizona State brings that really, really good defense to Cal, but Cal – damn good defense in their own right uh the golden bears they are four point favorites and the over under just 42 and a half for such a defensive game um yeah i mean that that's a tough one um it's going to be some pac-12 defense after dark uh out in berkeley but you know it's hard for me not to go with the bears here we've been riding the bears hard ever since wilcox got there um and i'm going to continue to do so so give me cal minus four that's the benefit of going second. I agree with you, Matt. I just think Cal is a little bit more balanced. They've shown some more offensive flashes that Arizona State hasn't shown as much of yet. All right. Uh, let's go. Next? Yeah, let's go to our alma mater, Wisconsin, coming off that monster win. They host a Northwestern team that has looked, quite frankly, god awful. This looks like one of Pat Fitzgerald's worst teams in a long time. Yeah, Hunter Johnson is yeah. awful. Yeah, as you would expect, Wisconsin, huge favorites. Do they cover this monster 24-and-a-half-point spread? The over-under, uh, this reflects on Northwestern's offense. The over-under is just 45-and-a-half. So I am confident that Wisconsin will win and cover, but I'm even more confident that we're going over 45-and-a-half because I think Wisconsin's putting up half a hundred alone. Ooh. Um. This is the best Badger offense. This is the most, let's put it this way. It's the most talented Badger offense since Russell Wilson was throwing to Nick Toon and Jared Aberderis. Um, (laughs) And it is, uh, I think Jake Ferguson is fantastic as a tight end. Uh, Wide receiver is genuinely four deep with guys who I would be very confident who would all be starters on pretty much any other team any other Badger team from the last decade. Um, They have uh, this year's offensive line lost three guys to the NFL, uh, but got better. Uh, And uh, the fact that I I think partially it's because they lost uh, a couple egos in that room. I'm looking at you, Bo Benchall, Um, (laughs) that I, I, you know, you guys have heard me. I've never thought that Bo Benchall was all that great jigs of the guard. And I think the draft process bore that out. Um, but he was, for some reason, the big name in that room. And he was never the best player by any way, shape, or form. And now there is a sort of natural hierarchy, I think, with Tyler Biotch being really the veteran leader of that group, also playing center, which is helpful. And the fact that I think this group is much more cohesive, even though they really have about seven guys rotating through. Uh, they have uh, those offensive linemen, though, are happy. Eight of them are playing on the field at once when we throw out the 14 hippo formation, um, <laughs> which uh, I expect to see a lot of against Northwestern. Only concern both of Wisconsin's starting safeties in Eric Burrell and Reggie Pearson are out for the first half because of targeting penalties uh, against it's a good thing. Northwestern can't throw a lick. Yeah. Uh, Pearson's was definitely deserved. Pearson's. I had no problem with that. Burrell's was, I do not know how you could even call that a targeting penalty. That one was highly, highly questionable. Um, I like the Badgers. I, I, I like the Badgers to win this one by a score of about 52 to 52 to three. Um, but I'm more confident in the over than I am in the cover. So, Yeah, Matt, I'm actually going the opposite way. I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm only going to take Wisconsin to cover. My worry is if Wisconsin races out to like a 35-point lead again, they're just going to flood the bench and not score again. So I'm taking Wisconsin to cover, and that's it. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand that. I just think that uh, – I think Jonathan Taylor is mad that he missed out on a quarter and a half of action because of mm-hmm. Christmas last week and needs to take it out on someone. Northwestern is right in front of him because he need, he knows that if he's going to win that Heisman Trophy, he needs to be getting more and more 200-yard games. Very true. 
Uh, so let's head to a Big Ten matchup taking on two three and one teams. Um, they are total opposites. Michigan State plays a whole lot of good defense, and every now and then their offense sputters into life. They are two touchdown home favorites against Indiana, a team that usually has really good offense, and every now and then the defense sputters into life and gets a stop. Uh, Sparty favored by two touchdowns over under 44. Do the Hoosiers bounce back and keep this close in any way? Um, I mean, the last time we saw Indiana, they played Connecticut, so that doesn't count. Yeah, that's why I meant they needed to still bounce back from the yeah. Ohio State game. And so, but to be fair, you know, um, no, I can't even say it's a tune-up. It's not. It's not even a tune-up against Connecticut. It's like it's like <laughs> a scrimmage against against the JVs. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just embarrassing if you lose. You're expected to win by a lot. Uh, I don't see them being able to score a ton on Michigan State just because Michigan State's defense is mighty mighty fine, but. And offensively, they are stop and go, stop and go. Don't really know what a Northwestern win even means at this point. Uh, give me Indiana to cover just because I don't think Michigan State can beat, you know, anyone in the league not named Northwestern or Rutgers Ooh. by two touchdowns. Yeah, you, you, you stole kind of my pick, which was Northwestern has just looked awful. And beating them by 21 – I don't know if that means much. Looking at that Arizona State game, they Michigan State only put up seven points, uh, only put up 28 against Tulsa. I don't know. I, I think Indiana might be able to keep this close. I think Indiana um, might even steal an upset. Who knows? I, I kind of like that Hoosier team for whatever reason. I can't quit them. All right. Uh, next up is – a pretty interesting game. We have Wake Forest 4-0 visiting Boston College, who is 3-1, although the one was against Kansas. And yet, Wake isn't just slightly favored. They are six-and-a-half point favorites with the over-under all the way up to 69. Are we, nice. are we buying the Demon Deacon hype train on the road? Nope, I'm taking Boston College plus six and a half here. Uh, they need to, they are going to make up for what they did the last time they were on their home turf and um, did a number two in their own bed against <laughs> Kansas. Um, I think that A.J. Dillon is uh, going to just hog the ball so much in this game that Wake will not be able to uh, get, uh, the, you know, get much of a lead. So I'm going to take BC to cover. Interesting. I'm going the opposite way. And I know that BC did win at Rutgers and they did win by two touchdowns, 30 to 16. But when you give up 16 points to Rutgers, that's a little alarming. I'm going to buy the Demon Deacon hype train and go with them for an extra game. I'm going to, I'm going to believe them. All right. I'm not going to abandon them just because they're playing on the road. Uh, speaking about road games, uh, a pair of Big 12 uh, fringe contenders. Can they uh, change the complexion of the Big 12 race? Who knows? They are making their Big 12 debut. They've yet to play a, a conference game, but we have the 2-1 and one Iowa State Cyclones who exploded for 70 points the last time they played. They had the head on the road to Waco. The Baylor Bears are 3-0 and on the year. Iowa State, another road favorite, this time by just three points, over under 55. I looked long and hard at, at the over here, but I feel like Baylor's defense is, is improved enough this year that, um, you know, well, I guess I, I want to say Baylor's defense improved enough, but who have they really played? They played Stephen F. Austin, UT San Antonio, and Rice. Um, I mean, come on. Uh, so they, they are doing very well defensively. Um, I, I like Iowa State here just because they've actually played um, – they've played real opponents so far. Um, 
in, or at least they played one real opponent as opposed to zero that Baylor has played. <laughs> um, I think they're going to punch Baylor in the mouth. Uh, and so give me Iowa State, give me Matt Campbell um, minus, uh, minus three. Matt, you're killing me. That schedule was pretty much the entire reason why I was going to take Iowa State in this one. I, I just think the Cyclones really should have beaten Iowa. Uh, you can make a pretty good argument that they were the better team in that one. And they had a monster week last week, and maybe Louisiana Monroe will prove to be god-awful. I don't know. But Louisiana Monroe could have beaten Florida State. Like, I don't think the Warhawks are a joke of a team. I think they're an okay Sunbelt club. And Iowa State dropped 72 points on them. That's absurd. So I'm going to go with the Cyclones. Good choice. Uh, let's head back to the Big Ten. Matt, Minnesota is very quietly undefeated. Which is surprising considering <laughs> how, how, yell, how, how loud their um... – <laughs> Uh, their their coxswain of PJ Fleck is usually <laughs> yelling at them to row the boat. Um, but yeah, they've had three victories to start the year. All of them quite narrow to say the least. They're a couple bounces away from being winless. Uh, they head down to West Lafayette, Purdue one and two on the season. Another road favorite. Goldie is favored by one and a half points over under 54 and a half. Where are you going? Oh, man. I really don't even want to pick this game. This is brutal, Josh. Um, I would have never thrown this in spread of words because I have zero feel for this game. <laughs> zero That's feel for this game. That's why it's fun to include it. Oh, it's, it's brutal. The last time we saw Purdue, um, which was uh, back on the 14th, uh, they were getting pummeled by TCU, who we then saw lose to SMU. Um, you know, they beat they beat Vanderbilt. They lost to Nevada. I have no idea what to make of Purdue. None whatsoever. Um, and Minnesota, I mean, who have they beaten? Like Fresno State. I think Fresno okay State. Yeah. Yeah. In Fresno, two overtimes. Okay. Cool. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know how my, my, my feelings about PJ Fleck are, are well known. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under on this game just because I want to, <laughs> uh, I, I I can't think of anything else better to root for so I'm going I'm I can't I cannot take the Gophers in, under any circumstances so I'm I'm taking the under. So Purdue's played a big boy schedule as Tony Kornheiser would have said mm -hmm. on PTI. Uh, you mentioned it. They played TCU. Uh, they played Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. SEC team and they played a Nevada team that is going to probably be an okay Mountain West team, maybe even a contender in the Mountain West. That's a pretty daunting schedule. And they should have beaten Nevada. They had a crazy second half meltdown. They smoked Vanderbilt. And you know what? They lost to Gary Patterson. That's going to happen. He's a pretty good coach. I think this is the week. Minnesota gets exposed. I think Purdue wins big. I'm saying Purdue wins by 17 plus. All right. So now we're going to go to one of your favorite coaches in all of football, Matt. Mike Gundy. He's a man. He is a man. Okie State's coming off a pretty good game, but it was a loss to Tejas. Mm. Yeah. And they are hosting – a team that is ranked 24th in the nation, that Kansas State team unblemished, 3-0, and looked pretty good at Ole Miss. Or, excuse me, at Mississippi State. I don't know why I said Ole Miss. But Kansas State looked pretty good down at Mississippi State. But not a road favorite, Okie State, four-and-a-half-point favorites in T. Boone Pickens Stadium, over under 60. Does Kansas State have that road magic that they showed in Stark Vegas? Uh, it really hurts me to do this, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Kansas State plus four-and-a-half here. Uh, I hate going against uh, my favorite mullet, but <laughs> I, I can't. 
uh, I, this Kansas State team is fantastic. I love the way they're playing. Uh, I just, I love everything about this Kansas State team. Um, you know, Kleiman's doing such a great job there. He's the perfect hire for them. All those people who were so mad when they hired him, I hope they are all eating large quantities of crow. Because Why would they have been upset about? There were people who were mad who think he couldn't hack it as a uh, FBS coach. Mm, so, very weird. Yeah. Well, they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, give me Kansas State plus four and a half. Well, I picked Kansas State to win at Mississippi State, and I'm going to ride with them again. And one of the reasons I like this game for Kansas State perspective, it's their league debut. And they were off last week. They had two weeks to get everything in order, get ready for Oklahoma State, kind of refocus, say, hey, we did well in our first three weeks, but now it's league play. Um, I think they're buying, we'll climb and selling. I'm going to go with K-State. Awesome. Our penultimate game, we're going to the Pac-12. And those Utah Utes that we really like, but – Came up short a week ago. Life doesn't get easier for them. They are at home in Salt Lake City, but they have to host the exact same record, 3-1-0-1, Washington State Cougars, who had the epic UCLA game. Utah is six-point favorites over under 56-and-a-half. Where are you going, Virgo? So last time I checked, one of these teams last week scored 63 points mm-hmm. and the other one scored 23 points mm-hmm. in con- both in conference play. So that's 86 combined points. So yeah, give me the over. You're not picking the, the uh, spread. Okay. No, I'm going over. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saying points, points, points. Uh, uh, Washington State. I mean, I, I'm. You got to be terrified of their offense, and I think their defense can give up just as many. So that's why I'm going <laughs> with the points, man. <laughs> like, pretty strong, pretty simple. Yeah, I had the points as well because Utah secondary didn't look very good against UC or against USC. So I'm taking the points as well, but I'm going to go for a double up and say the Ute secondary looked so bad. I think Washington State also wins on the road. I think our Utah pick blows up in our faces the second week of the conference season. And then in classic Utah fashion, we'll write them off at 3-2, and 0-2, oh and, and then they'll do something insane like run the tables and we'll pick against them every week of the season. That's what happens on this show. Our final game, we always put them in this dubious spot, Rutgers. They head, the, head on the road to Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, with a coach suddenly on the hot seat, rumors swirling about Urban Maya coming to coach Michigan. But they are 27 and a half point favorites against the Scarlet Knights, over under 49. Does that erratic Michigan offense get it together against god awful Rutgers? First of all, coach, uh, coach josh coach uh urban maya was who i was thinking about and he's not going to ann arbor because he's going to usc that that just amped up the rumor mill i love that it's he's going to it's going to usc it's a done deal already i mean he's already living out in la for his terrible fox coverage Mm -hmm. yeah he's not good on tv no he's really bad on tv He's just boring. Yeah, he's not good on TV at all. Um, he's, he, I, got, I mean, he's an empty suit on TV. It's it, it's rough. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I'll make this short. I don't think Michigan can be anyone by twenty eight. So give me Rutgers to cover. Whoa, I'm going the opposite way. I think the best thing for a beleaguered offense. I know that didn't help Boston College, but I just I don't see how Rutgers is competitive in games just not seeing it so i'm going with michigan i got them covering um matt do you have anything else 
I think that's it. That's it for me, Josh. I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be working the late shift over the weekend. My students are filming uh, their final uh, thesis projects. A couple of them are. So I will be at school at 8 a.m. tomorrow uh, uh, to open the school for them. And then I'm going tailgating. Nice. I will be at Vandy, Northern Illinois. Well, Matt, that's, that's rough that you're working on a Saturday, but at least you get some tailgating in. But this is insanely embarrassing. What happened? I wrote the rundown. For the first time in 198 times. <laughs> Thanks for that. I did your job on this show and, and kept the conversation going. And I know what it's like. Yeah. I have no excuse for this. I forgot to include one of the biggest SEC games of the weekend. The Wait. 23rd ranked Texas A&M Aggies with Kellen Mond and that Jimbo Fisher attack. They're two and two, zero and one on the year. They head to fellow two and two, zero and one team, Arkansas Razorbacks, coming off a heartbreaking defeat to San Jose State. Arkansas, they need this to keep their national title aspirations alive. I think they get it. I think they bull rush Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, kind of a statue in the backfield, not really known for being a mobile quarterback. I think Arkansas takes advantage of that lack of mobility. Oh. Wait. Oh. Yeah, he can Kellen run. Mond's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Ooh. Well, I trust this coaching staff to figure it out. Ooh, big silly. Josh, you know where the game's taking place? Um, I believe it is in this really, like, kind of a tiny shoebox stadium Yep. Uh, down there in, in one of the cities in Texas. I think it might, is it being played at the Alamo Dome? Uh, close. <laughs> it's a Jerry world. It's a Jerry world. Jerry world. Uh, world. Do you think that he is going to try to rig the game for Arkansas, seeing as that he is a, it is his alma mater? Uh, no, I think he's more concerned about uh, the Cowboys actually looking like they have a Super Bowl contender for the first time since oh 1994. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that oh. will now officially do it. Thank you so much for listening to our backwards episode here in Chicago. I'm the intrepid blogger, Josh Cook for Big Ten and Counting. We had the professor down there in Nashville, and the coach is getting ready for Friday night his lights. football team. Friday night lights. Uh, sounds like weather might be an issue for you guys, right? Isn't it super hot? Yeah, it was about 99 today. Ooh. All right. Well, with that weather report. You're signing off. Thanks as always for listening. Woo pig suey. Thanks for listening to the illegal motion college football podcast to get in touch with the show. Email us at illegal motion podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.